Welcome to another episode of 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. Today is Tuesday, February 11, 2014. This is episode 67. I am your host, Scott Barstow. And I'm Anders Brownworth. Anders, it's been a few weeks since our last show. It has. And we had a, we had a major disruption in the, in the Bitcoin universe. I know Bitcoin is one of your... Uh, topics du jour or topics of the year, and uh, <laughs> and so we had last week we had a uh, we had a major issue. Yeah, we did. Well, so uh, there have been a few things that have gone on, a high profile arrest and whatnot. But um, uh, I think Scott, we have the thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Charlie Trump. So so uh, let's talk about that first. Sure. Yeah. So so uh, to me, so this is a, uh, a uh, essentially a high ranking. Uh, Bitcoin evangelist uh, sat on the, uh, or actually I think he started the uh, Bitcoin Foundation uh, project and all of that. And so he was arrested very recently for having essentially laundered money is the accusation. And uh, it, it seems hard to argue against that. And uh, But what I'm most interested in is yet again the fact that the price of Bitcoin did not uh, go down into the single digits or anything like that. It, it there was it was barely a blip. The other thing that you're talking about, uh, I think, is is Mt. Gox. Um, right. So on Charlie Schramm, so the idea, the deal with him was that he had supposedly uh, turned his head while. Uh, while users of his of his clearinghouse made nefarious use of funds, yeah, yeah, right? so yeah. he uh, he supposedly had what was it? It was a pornography. I don't remember. Uh, uh, no, it's uh, sex trade stuff. It was Silk Road stuff. Yeah, Which, yeah. I think it is connected with Silk Road uh, uh, at some point, but I think it's it's a uh, a guy trying to launder money and and him looking the other way is is the way I. The way yeah. I understand yeah, and he, it. Yeah, from all reports, it seemed that, uh, at, at least at first, he was not uh, necessarily fully aware that he had to be registered as a, what is it, a money uh, A money, money transmitter. Exchange, money transmitter. Yeah. Uh, because there was amounts above $10,000 or whatever the, whatever the limit is. And uh, so he, but once, I guess it, it seems like he had received some counsel ahead of time saying, look, you should look into this. And he decided to not look into it. And right. then toward the end, it appears that he, in fact, was just kind of turning a blind eye. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that's why it's, to me, very hard to argue uh, that, that you know, this is all a misunderstanding. Um, but, you know, he's, he's going to have his day in court, uh, as, as he should. And we'll see what happens. I... Uh, but I think your point is a valid one that it really what we've been what we've been watching for is the first kind of legal big legal action yeah uh, in the Bitcoin universe at least here in the U.S. Well, and, and yeah. it really it really I mean, this is really the first high profile uh, where uh, where the government stepped in and is taking action and your point I think is a good one that it really in spite of all of that the currency did not fluctuate. Hardly at all, right? I, I think a year ago, or le a little less than a year ago, uh, the the it was a bit less than a year ago, the takedown of Silk Road, 
had a far more major impact on the price of Bitcoin, but it still only dropped oh, 30% and then went, went right back to where it was. Uh, and, and that to me, I mean, all of these things, I think, are great indicators that um, although there were, you know, some some very significant nef- nefarious uses of Bitcoin in the early days, uh, as time goes forward, uh, we're seeing legitimate uses of Bitcoin and it's uh, uh, kind of growing out of its infancy. I mean, I, I don't I don't I wouldn't advocate any of uh any of what was going on uh, with Silk Road and certainly money laundering. This is crazy. I mean, who, what, this is, why, why are you doing this? You know, but it is, of course, uh, the, the fringe that's going to take advantage of the uh, new capabilities that a technology like Bitcoin has. And, and, you know, it's, it's only a healthy thing to get rid of that. And as, as Bitcoin moves to a, uh, uh, you know, more respected place. It's, it's gotta shed these things. And it's shocking kind of to see somebody of a higher profile, uh, way up in the Bitcoin community, big advocate, has done great things for the, uh, the currency, uh, to see somebody like that be taken out. Um, uh, you know, I, to me, it's fair enough. Whatever. I, I, you can't, you know, I don't want to, I want this to be a legitimate thing. I want this to be totally above board. I don't want to have any, you know, sort of underhanded dealing that just doesn't help anybody in the long run. Uh, so it's good to see. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the concern with or what, the, what all of the folks who not, are not necessarily in the know but have the microphone like to say about Bitcoin is that, you know, the big concern was that nobody would know how money was changing hands and it's sort of this back alley dealing. Yeah. And I think what this shows is that even if those things happen, just like with cash, just like with any other way of uh, tracing payments, uh, chances are if you're doing something illegal, it's going to find its way to the surface. Yeah. Or there's at least a chance that it will. And I think whether it's cash, whether it's a, you know, a suit, a briefcase full of cash or whatever, I just don't think there's – I think once – at some point, somebody has to turn that Bitcoin into money, yeah. into currency. And when that happens, that's when we have the opportunity to audit it and track it. And so I think the, the – I think for me what this showed is that all the concern over the fact that no one will be able to trace this you know, nefarious activity. I think what, what we've seen is that, in fact, it can and will be monitored and, and uh, action taken when appropriate. Yeah, I, I look at the blockchain, which is essentially the open ledger of all of the Bitcoin transactions ever, as a great data mining project. And matter of fact, companies that do it really well, I think there's a great business in that. Um, you, you can look at, uh, uh, you know, many different kinds of analogs with the existing financial world. Uh, like, I mean, that's essentially what Experian does and, and oh, the credit rating agencies. They're looking at uh, transactions and, and creating something of value out of it. So I think the same exact thing will happen. And, uh, you know, people realizing that it's not a, 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 a totally anonymous currency and uh, you can't send, uh, you know, a, a pile of money to go take out a hit on somebody. Um, once they realize that that is not what we're talking about here, 
then I think that's that's just really good for the entire ecosystem. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So let's talk about Mount Gox. Gox, yes. Yeah. So so Gox, Mount Gox. This is a uh, an exchange out of uh, it's a essentially a dollar to uh, Bitcoin exchange that also uh, transfer to to yen and like tons of other currencies, the euro. But it's an exchange uh, between fiat currencies and Bitcoin. And it got started very early on. In fact, the name Mt. Gox, M-T-G-O-X, stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Used to be, you know, used to trade Magic the Gathering uh, uh, stuff with it. And after a while, it, it people started trading coin because they, because they could. It was kind of already there. And then... Uh, so, so at some point early on, they, they decided to kind of cut the whole Magic the Gathering thing and just do Bitcoin. And so it became the first, uh, Bitcoin trading platform. As such, it was not really well built and eventually sold to another group. And it, it while it represented a good, you know, vast majority at least at least 80% of the vast majority of the trades that were going on early on were on Mt. Gox uh even though they had that sort of you know sway in the market there it's not really this is not a group of traders that that really understand technology and really understand trading so it's it has these outages every once in a while uh, sometimes they get shut down for, for, uh, you know, getting fiat in and out and, uh, they've had trouble uh, getting the, the Bitcoin, uh, transfers, you know, keeping them going. And that's what's most recently happened. And every time this happens, uh, the price of Bitcoin on Mt. Gox drops through the floor. And for whatever reason, it gets amplified in the media because Mt. Gox is just, I mean, it used to be the major player. Now it's right. a, a distant player. Uh, but it, it tends to move the entire market. And technically what's happened here is a known bug in the, uh, the Bitcoin protocol. I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, you call it a bug. There's a workaround. Uh, they kind of ran into it at Mt. Gox and I believe did all of the, the technical work to figure out what it was and then say so to the community. Hey, here's the problem. This is why this stopped working. And then everybody in the community says, yeah, we kind of already knew about that. In fact, here's a wiki, uh, page dedicated to it. Um, you know, there, there are things you can do and, and all of this. And I, I just, you know, just, it's a little bit of amateur hour, maybe. Um, so uh, you know, we've seen the prices recover a little bit. Uh, certainly on the other exchanges, they're 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 back. Uh, not all the way, but they're they're kind of in that direction. So what um, was the uh, what was the correction? It was like a twenty to twenty five percent. Yeah, it was like thirty. Yeah, it was 30, pretty okay. pretty drastic. Mt. Gox always trades above Bitstamp and and BTCE and the others, uh, and and we we now they're now below. Uh, so the other exchanges, uh, so, uh, Bitstamp is, you know, well, I, I can, I can take a look. It's uh, 685 right now. Uh, it was in the, it was in the low 700s, I think 710 to 720s when this happened. And then it took a dive down to the 500s actually, but, uh, it's now up in the, the, you know, 680s or so. Uh, and then, uh, Bits, uh, Mt. Gox, 
followed the same kind of a dip, but started in the 900s. And when it, uh, you know, when it totally bottomed, it, it, it was, you know, in the low 500s. Um, and then most recently, I think it's around uh, 570 or so right now. I think it was down to 511 or so. Uh, so it's we've seen that, and it's obviously lower than anything else, and that's just because uh, the transfers are cut off. Will they figure it out? Yeah. Are they going to be a major player long run? I don't think so. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's funny. Every time this happens, it opens up this fantastic buying opportunity. And if you're uh, positive on on Bitcoin at all, this is this is a, a good thing because you've seen this happen before and you've seen the prices come back. And, you know, yep, I, I don't right. mean to 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 be uh, making uh, investing advice here. And this is uh, this is totally speculative as far as I'm concerned in all entertainment. Uh, but uh, you you might notice that this has happened before, and and things will very likely uh, recover. So it's fun to watch, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think it's the we're we're seeing just natural evolution as it starts to stabilize, and you figure out which it would be the equivalent of a bank not being able to give you your money on deposit. That's yeah. effectively what's happened here. And I think what will happen as a result is that there are other banks effectively, you know, if you use that analogy, the other banks will step in and say, that's never happened here. You know, move your money over here. Yeah. I think Mt. Gox will suffer just like any other business would suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will be, once the, once the withdrawals are opened back up, people will move their money off Mt. Gox to some other more stable provider. Right, I agree, and I think you know, in large, that's that's already happened, uh, and this will the, continue that. You know, I don't know if you want to call it a sell-off, but the, it'll be a, a move off of Mount Gox, even more so, uh, just just purely by the number of wallets that they probably have. Uh, it's going to be a, a big hit to their business, I'm sure. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Yeah. Interesting yeah. stuff. So the switching gears. I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to visit the downtown project in Las Vegas. Okay, this uh, is so I've I've heard of that you've done this and and I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> Pins and needles. That's right. The uh, so the downtown project for those of you that don't know is a project undertaken by Tony Shea, uh, former CEO of Zappos. And I guess still CEO of Zappos, but Zappos, of course, now under Amazon's umbrella. And when he moved uh, the company to Henderson, Nevada, there was uh, there was all sorts of scuttlebutt about, you know, because he moved it out of the valley and to Henderson. And everybody was kind of like, well, what in the world? Why in the world would you move to a suburb of Las Vegas? And there were lots of reasons why he did that. Uh, You know, cost of living, uh, cost to uh, cost of warehouse space and all sorts of reasons uh, for him to move out of the Bay Area. But once the uh, once they got established in Nevada, Tony started taking a look at the old downtown Las Vegas. So if you've ever been to Las Vegas, you've got the new strip uh, where all of the new glitz and glamour goes. And then the old downtown is where Vegas used to be. So you've got like the Golden Nugget is there, the Fremont. <laughs> Uh, Fremont Street uh, experience, which is this really cool laser, uh, light show, and uh, and then you've got all the old hotels like back from you know the the glory days of Las Vegas. Yeah. A lot of them were there, 
and uh, and of course they're not glorious anymore. And so what he did was he took a look at this part of the city and said and wanted to basically start over. So how would you rebuild a city yeah. and make it uh, accessible for business, make it attractive? Uh, how do you set up housing? How do you set up transit? And really just a reboot. So he started knocking down buildings. He's, he's, he, he has, he has uh, said that he will invest $350 million of his own money uh, in this project, which is just staggering. If you if you remember, I think uh, Zappa sold for a little over a billion dollars to Amazon. So this is a large chunk of whatever he made from that transaction. Yeah, this is a very large chunk of his personal fortune. Not insignificant. Yeah, yeah, being put back on the line. And basically, what he's doing is so Zappos has moved their corporate headquarters into the old city hall, nice. Las Vegas. Okay, and then he he took a building called the Ogden, which is where we stayed while we were there. So one of the coolest things is if you go out there and you're going out to visit the downtown project, uh, you you go and you register. And what they do is they put you up in the Ogden, which is this building he redid, and it's all condos. Mm -hmm. And they're all unique. Every condo is different. And you get to stay for free. Nice. So you show up, and it's this beautiful building. I mean, it's it's as nice a building as – it's a nice – it reminds me a lot of the place where you live. It's that kind of experience where really high-end apartments, you know, all very modern – and so you walk in and they've got into these apartments and he's got books there for you to read. He's got water for you to drink. Like everything is thought about and yeah. taken care of. It's just a, a tremendous experience, as you would expect from from somebody like him who's, you know, thinks of every little detail. Yeah. Um, so you show up and, you know, you, we check into the we check into the Ogden and uh, the next day we take a tour and. The tour actually takes you through Tony Shea's apartment. He lives in that building. He lives in the Ogden. So we, you know, there's 10 of us in this tour and we, we walk into his apartment. He's just sitting there working, which is bizarre. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's the place where he lives and he just lets people wander through it all day on these tours. And that's weird. Yeah. It was, it was quite odd. So yeah. uh, and so he's got he's got some really interesting rooms in his apartment. I think he's got four or five of these things strung together. So mm. uh, he's basically got a majority of one of the floors in the building uh, on one of the higher floors in the building. And uh, so you take a tour of that, and it's and they tell you all about the vision for the downtown project, and they they show you what what it's going to look like and all the things they've got going on. It's really interesting, mm. and. Uh, and then we, from there, we wandered out into some really cool spaces. So one of the more interesting ones is uh, a space called the Container Park. And the Container Park is a shopping area made out of old railroad container cars. Hmm. Nice. And so every one of the storefronts is cut out of these container parts, uh, mm-hmm. container cars. Yeah. And what happens is, so if I'm a, if I'm a boutique retailer or a restaurateur, there's $50 million set aside to invest in retail in the downtown project. So I go in and I pitch and I say, you know, I'm making, you know, the world's greatest barbecue and here's why, and here's why, you know, here's why I should be involved in this project. And you pitch just like you would if you were raising money for, uh, you know, for a tech startup. Yeah. If you get accepted, 
then you get you get an investment from the downtown project, which is really cool. Um, and what they what they focus on is not just whether your business will be whether it's a great business idea, but they have this metric they call return on community. Mm-hmm. And effectively, what that means is that you have to have a mission that's bigger than just uh, just making money. Uh, you've got to have something about your business, and this would be true of whether you're in the container park or in the. They've got a tech accelerator there, mm. and any other component of it. You've got to be. You've got to have as part of your business uh, a community impact um, element. Yeah, element. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. A component that uh, uh, that helps you that gets you in the door because they won't look at you if you. You may have the greatest idea in the world. Yeah, but they're interested in uh, in ideas that have a larger economic impact on the community. So it's really pretty interesting approach. And <clears throat> so we spent we spent all day Friday really just touring. We toured the Container Park, the Ogden, and then mm. we also went. They also have a school. Uh, they've started a school. Really? So if you think about the, there's really three major building blocks. One is a tech investment fund. One is this container park slash retail fund. And then the third arm is education. Hmm. And every, every one of those has $50 million all allocated for investment. Hmm. And so they've started this school called the ninth bridge school. And it currently goes through kindergarten only. Uh, and there, I think there were 21 students or something like that when we got there, but they've taken over an old church Hmm. Or something like I can't, I can't remember what the building was, um, in a in a in a candidly not a great part of of the city. You yeah. kind of you wander through some pretty dilapidated housing to get there. Yeah, and uh, but they've got again. It's uh, they've got. It's all about getting uh, people from the community involved in other parts of the community. So, for instance, the school will have. Uh, people from the businesses coming in to teach, and you know, and if I'm if I'm starting a business with the downtown project, my kids will go to this school. Hmm. So you get you start to get this really kind of interesting, cohesive approach to to building out a part of the city. One of the more interesting things, or I don't know if it's interesting or just crazy things, is they've got a they've got a company there called Project One Hundred, which is hmm. looking to uh, I guess rethink transportation in large cities, mm-hmm. and what they've got is they've uh, they've bought a hundred Teslas. <laughs> no way! And you can you can take you can pick up a Tesla from one of their drop stations around the city and drive it to another one and leave it there. So it's just like bike rental. Yeah, but you're driving a Tesla. <laughs> so you did this? No, we didn't. No. Do <laughs> Why not? I don't know. We just didn't have a reason to. Yeah. Everything, everything, everywhere we were going was walking distance. We were okay. six to seven blocks away from everything. I'd still, I'd still drive a Tesla if I were you. So <laughs> it was. Uh, so it was really. Yeah, I guess it was just the the scope of the project was mm. really compelling. And there were things like the Tesla thing. You're like, well, why would you buy a hundred Teslas instead of buying a hundred, you know, bikes, on Leafs or something like that? Okay. Yeah. Got to get a car. Yeah. Why do you? car that's that nice and that expensive so there are some things that uh that didn't really add up uh if you're just thinking about you know how do i make the most use of the money yeah but i think the i think it's just about being grand and uh and having a really big idea and not settling for anything less than that i think yeah that's the feel you get yeah that's really interesting 
Huh. But the, I think the most, one of the more interesting things was you've got this, all of this activity happening and it's, uh, you know, trying to renew the city of Las Vegas really juxtaposed with the feel of what you know Las Vegas to be right alongside it. So yeah. you've got, you've got, you know, you got all of the seedy underbelly uh, Vegas stuff happening right in the same neighborhood or right in the same block mm. as this brand new condo. Uh, you got homeless people everywhere. Uh, you got yeah. you know, prostitutes and gambling, and so for me, I think that was the thing that was a was a disconnect for me. Is how do you how do you get people to move to the city? How do you get people to move to Las Vegas and you know join you on this journey? When you know, I don't think I'd want my kids living in that environment, for no. instance. Yeah. And, so there, there were things I'm sure they that's not going to be anything new that they haven't thought about, and I don't have the answer to it. But I thought that was there's definitely some questions, but the the scope and scale and just the 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 grandiose nature of the vision was really cool to be around. It's a compelling experiment. I mean, yes, you know, and and uh, the thing that's interesting is the measurement of you know how do you measure the social impact of everything you're doing. Um, just my gut feel like yours, the Tesla is just, that doesn't seem to add up, but um, you know, cause why wouldn't you do bikes or why wouldn't you like, if you're going to spend that much money, let's, let's do, let's put a uh, elevated bike lane above the, the streets or something. Uh, so you can bike without getting run over or, or something like that. Like, you know, something that's uh, that has a bit more, of a sustainability uh, uh, angle to it, and so because I don't think you you could uh, imagine rolling out Teslas in another city. Like right. you might do that, but I mean it would just be a huge amount of money. But I could definitely see you know a bike program or or something else. Um, yeah, or even like you know scoot like uh, scooters, sure. Scooters or yeah, or or moving sidewalks. I mean, you know, that's that's another that's another thing. Like, uh, uh, imagine a uh, like a subway where there are no trains. It's just you go, you know, those things in airports that uh, kind of moving sidewalk things that kind of keep you going at a at a walking pace. You can just stand there, or you can walk, and it's equivalent of like jogging. Um, imagine you had a sort of a city center that was connected underground with one of those things. Let's just say a big circle around the entire downtown area of some place and you just go down. You don't have to wait for a train. You just get on the thing and, you know, there's a slow, medium and a fast lane or, you know, like there could be some really innovative new ideas you could do. Uh, maybe they're thinking that way too. And it just takes a long time to develop things. Who knows? But, uh, you know, seems like they're yeah. So I think that's part of this process is they're they're looking at what buildings to buy, the strategic buildings to buy. And, yeah. You know, so they're early yet. I mean, you can't put fifty million dollars into a school with thirty kids or ten kids. I think it's a year to a year and a half old. So if you if you look at it from that perspective, they've already done just amazing. a lot. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think the, there's there's some things that make you scratch your head, but in the end, my takeaway, and when you're there, you know, you feel this compulsion to just kind of pick at everything and say, yeah, you know, well, what about this? And I don't agree with that. But I think that as I had some time to think about it on the ride home and then after, I was like, that's a 
that's just really impressive that, first of all, he could do anything with that money, right? I mean, yeah. he, could, he could take it and go buy 10 yachts or whatever he wants to do. And, and instead, he's chosen to do something far more interesting and put a lot of it back on the line in the interest of trying to, trying to fix a problem that he thinks is important. So for that, I think you have, you have to just say, you know, you have to tip your hat and, and say, you know, best of luck and I hope it goes well kind of thing. Agreed. It's compelling. I, I, I would love to see how it, uh, you know, how, how it ultimately pans out. Um, yeah, so you know. if, if you're ever, for our listeners, if you ever, if you're in Vegas, um, I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd really encourage you to take a take the time and go up and see what's going on there. It's really impressive. And and it's only it's a 10 to 15 minute cab ride from the strip tops. And if you're if it's if it's not busy it's less than that. And uh, uh you can gamble more cheaply if you're into that up there. But more than that, you can, you know, they'll set up a tour for you if you go to the downtown project, you just go and fill out this form and they'll hook you up with a tour guide and walk you around. Everybody's very very nice. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth doing if you're, if you find yourself in Las Vegas and don't want to do all the other stuff that happens in Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, cause, cause it all stays in Las Vegas. Uh, no, it's compelling. I think I'll, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm yeah. going to go. That sounds, uh, that sounds really interesting. Um, I, 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 how did you hear about it? We got invited to go, uh, so Bamith Labs here in Raleigh is a part of we, – we work in the American Underground, the space that's managed by the American Underground. And they were, they were wanting to take, go out and take a look at uh, what was going on in Las Vegas and see what they could apply to downtown Durham and downtown Raleigh as they're starting to invest in those areas. So they asked us to go, they asked us to go along as, a, uh, as kind of a corporate partner and uh, – so that was that was how we got hooked up with it. Very interesting, very yep. cool, very cool. Well, that's uh, that's that's quite a, uh, a you know be very interesting to see what happens with the with the experiment. And uh, I'm gonna go. I, I'm not I'm no fan of Vegas, but uh, this uh, I don't know. I I, I will remain open. And uh, you know you could convert me, I guess. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think that's all of the show we've got for today. We'll be back. Uh, very soon with our next show and thanks for listening.